Section 5 of Ontario Public School Geography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Ontario Public School Geography by the Educational Book Company of Toronto. Section 5 Introductory Raw Materials manufacture transportation and trade the hunter the fisherman the grain grower the lumberman and the miner all help to provide the materials needed for clothing food fuel shelter or tools but furs cannot be used just as the indian sells them to the fur trader they must be cut and sewn together to make garments wheat is not ready for use when it leaves the farm it must be first ground into flour carpenters take the rough lumber from the lumberman and fashion it into doors and window frames or other useful things the iron ore which the miner digs out of the earth must pass through many hands and undergo many changes before it appears as a finished rail or beam or machine the earth yields us very few things indeed which are ready to use just as we find them materials which must be worked into a different form before we use them are called raw materials the process of changing them into the form in which we use them is called manufacturing. Before the days of machinery this meant making by hand. Very often the raw material is found far from the places in which it is manufactured. The Indian has to transport his furs by canoe to the trading post. The trader has to send them on by boat and rail to the fur markets of the world. Much of the ore from the lake superior mines has to be shipped down the great lakes to the cities where coal is easily obtained the wheat has to be brought from the farm to the mill in the same way the manufactured article has to be shipped from the mill or factory to the place where it is to be used for this reason many men are busily engaged in transporting goods from one part of the country to another thousands of men work on our railways thousands are needed on the ships which traverse our lakes and rivers thousands more are busy with trucks and wagons carting goods to and from docks and freight sheds lakes and rivers railways and roads are all highways of trade railways and good roads cost a great deal to build and keep in repair lakes and rivers are provided for us by nature a lake or a river boat can carry as much as scores of trucks or freight cars therefore it is cheaper to ship goods by boat than by rail especially if the goods like coal or grain are bulky countries which lack broad deep rivers and large lakes are a considerable disadvantage for railways and roads can never entirely compensate for the lack of good waterways waterways are so desirable that in many places artificial waterways called canals have been constructed canals are built to join lakes or rivers to avoid falls and rapids or even to provide a short and convenient route from sea to sea or from ocean to ocean long ago when good roads were few and no railways had yet been built men liked to live near rivers so they could easily send away their products and receive others in exchange even today when railways and good roads are numerous the towns and cities upon the banks of navigable rivers and lakes are better situated for trade than those far from the water when we study the various countries of the world we shall find that most of the great cities stand upon the banks of large rivers lakes or oceans canada is particularly favored with splendid waterways there are countless rivers in our country which are of value as highways of trade most important of all is the waterway formed by the great lakes which stretch for hundreds of miles along the boundary between ontario and the united states 
and by the St. Lawrence River, which flows from Lake Ontario to the sea. Many large cities, such as Montreal, Toronto, and Hamilton, are situated on the shores of this great highway of commerce. Large steamers ply over it, carrying passengers and goods from city to city. The transportation facilities afforded by the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence River are of an estimable value to Canada. So far we have considered only internal trade, that is, trade between people living in the same country. But external trade, that is, trade with people living in foreign countries, is equally important. Different parts of the world produce different things. We cannot grow rice or tea in Canada. The Japanese and Chinese do not grow much wheat and have very little timber. Therefore the big steamers which ply over the Pacific Ocean carry across to Asia the wheat and the timber which we have in such great quantities, and bring back tea, rice, silk, and many other things which we need but cannot grow. All over the world there was a ceaseless movement of food, raw materials, and manufacturing goods, from places which produce in excess of their requirements, to other places which need the surplus, from city to farm, and from farm to city, from province to province, from country to country, from continent to continent, every day huge quantities of goods are moved from place to place. The world can supply all its wants by this constant exchange of products. The more a country produces, the more it can have from other lands in exchange for its surplus. The goods which are brought into a country from abroad are called imports. The goods which a country sends out to other countries are called exports. Imports and exports together make up the foreign trade of a country. All countries, to a certain extent, depend upon their foreign trade to supply their wants. You know now why it is of immense importance to a country to have an abundant and varied production of raw materials, good manufacturing facilities, and easy and cheap transportation. How has the lack of these things affected the life of the Eskimo? End of section 5